Welcome to another edition of the Logic and Larry podcast. I am your host, Larry Creighton. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly my personal opinion and my personal views as a private citizen. Nothing I say on this podcast in any way reflects the official position of any other entity or any other person or from me in any official capacity whatsoever. I'm just talking to you from the comfort of my own home and from my own personal mind on matters of public concern. But you know we're going to keep it very, very 100% real on this show. The music you're going to hear today is a Lonnie Liston-Smith playlist from YouTube. If you don't know who Lonnie Liston-Smith is, I highly suggest you look him up. Most of the songs that you're going to hear playing are vintage Lonnie Liston-Smith. I am not going to be able to do a playlist listing today, so if you want to know which one of the songs are, use your Find the Song app or contact me and I'll help you track it down. If you don't know, Lonnie Liston-Smith is one of the best electric piano players of all time. He started riffing on a Rhodes piano years ago at a session and it just took off from there with funkadelic fusion jazz music. Now, Lonnie just came out just came out with a brand new album. That's right, 2023. The man is 83 years old. 83 years old, and he just came out with a new album. It's on the Jazz Is Dead label, which is entitled J-I-D for Jazz Is Dead 017. So it's really Jazz Is Dead 17 is the name of his new album. And I'll tell you, I've been listening to it a bit, and I, I dig it. I dig it. So if you're into that kind of music, definitely check out Lonnie Liston Smith's new joint. This spring has been pretty beautiful. You've had some bouts of rain and some nonsense, but here in Newark, New Jersey, as I glance out at rush hour traffic on Broad Street, I can report to you that it's been very pleasant weather-wise, right? Weather-wise. The skies are blue, the sun is out, the breeze is nice and cool, but not so cool that it's cold. And uh, we've been enjoying the sun and the blossoms and the springing of new life. Uh, But unfortunately, unfortunately in this country, ladies and gentlemen, which is what has beckoned me back to the mic for episode 70 of our podcast, is more death. That's right, in the spring, which is supposed to be a celebration of rebirth and vibrant life, we are once again in this country experiencing death. Not only death of human beings, which is unfortunate, but death of truth, death of context, death of honesty in reporting, death of intellectual honesty, the death of healthy dialogue. And the theme of this episode, the theme of this episode is that truth is justice and justice is truth. Injustice is untruth and untruth is injustice. We're going to be talking about a situation in this country which no matter which angle you look at it from, no matter how you try to diagnose it, no matter how the political spectrum on either side wants to spin it in their favor, we are failing ourselves. We are failing this society. 
We are failing victims and perpetrators alike, and victims and perpetrators in this situation, ladies and gentlemen, are interchangeable by the day, by the situation. And we are going to discuss it. We are going to discuss probably the most prominent problem in this country these days, two of them really, mental health, mentally ill people, and reporting and reactions to situations involving mentally ill people, right? A lot of unfortunate events unfolded this week, and I am here to talk to you about them in an unbiased and logical way to break through the nonsense. This doesn't always make me the most popular person, but I'm not out to be popular. In the words of my dear friend and my favorite poet, Elliot Fant, I'm not here to be popular, I'm here to be honest and keep it real. And a lot of times when you keep it honest and keep it real, you are not the most popular person in the room, but I don't want to be the most popular person in the room, I want to be the most honest person in the room. And for this episode... No matter what your preconceived notions are, as we always say, no matter what vehement emotion you have regarding a situation, no matter how turned up or triggered, no matter how entrenched you may be in a given position, I invite you to shed all your preconceived notions and dispositions. To shed all of those pent-up emotional lash-out sessions. And to simply take what I'm going to tell you completely unbiased and logically and then judge for yourself once I talk to you about these situations. We're going to start with the incident that recently occurred in New York City. Okay? In New York City... We've had an incident on the subway where, unfortunately, a young man has been killed and the New York City medical examiner has ruled that Jordan Neely was killed by choking death on a subway train and he has ruled it a homicide. Now, homicide does not always mean that murder occurred. It does not always mean that a crime occurred. Homicide means that one human is the cause of another human's death And that was the cause of Jordan Neely's death. Jordan Neely is a 30-year-old man who was on the subway. A video has emerged. He was homeless. He had mental health problems. A video has emerged which depicts his death, wherein a young man in his 20s, a former Marine, was choked. I wouldn't say choked. He was put in a chokehold by this man. Two other men are holding Neely down at the same time. So three men are restraining Neely on the subway. Other people are standing there. Other people are filming the encounter. One person is heard saying, you know, be careful you don't kill him. But no one is saying, hey, hey, let him go. No one is saying you're being violent. No one is saying you're acting aggressively. No one is saying stop holding him. No one is saying stop restraining him. So when you're looking at context, you have to look at all the context. And context matters, right? People want to dismiss context these days. Like, don't bring up the person's history. Don't bring up 
what he's done. Don't bring up his personality. Don't bring up his disposition. Don't bring up anything. Just let me tell you my narrative and sit there and take it. Well, that's not what we're going to do. Context matters objectively. Okay? Any, in any given situation, ever, context matters, right? So in this particular situation, we see three men holding down another man. Three men. One of them is having him in a chokehold. The other two are trying to grab his arms and pin them down. Daniel Penny was only 24 years old. 24 years old. A U.S. Marine is the one who had him in the chokehold. Unfortunately, Neely died during this encounter. That's unfortunate. No one wants to see anybody die, ever, when it can be prevented, right? Neely, who had definite mental health problems, was on the subway and out because despite the fact that he had encountered both the mental health systems before in New York City and had encountered the criminal justice systems before in New York City, he was not given a proper or proper treatment. He was not contained or detained anywhere to give him proper treatment, not in the criminal justice system nor in the mental health system. And so he was out and about. And we don't know the full extent of what transpired, but we know that Mr. Neely may have been threatening other passengers. A fight may have occurred. There are various reports coming in from 911 calls that we're trying to piece together. A call said somebody had a knife, somebody was threatening, somebody was fighting, somebody was in trouble, somebody was injured. We don't really know what happened. Let me say this first. A thorough investigation should take place with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. A thorough investigation should take place of the circumstances surrounding what happened with Mr. Neely. And if it is shown that any malicious intent or any improper force was used by Daniel Penny or the other two men who were restraining Mr. Neely, if anything is shown to be criminal, if the situation is shown to be improper, then somebody should certainly be prosecuted in this situation because it is a tragic death. However, if it is shown that the death was accidental and Mr. Neely was being restrained because he was violent or he was threatening or that the individual who put him in the chokehold or the other two individuals who held him down were acting to protect the other passengers and themselves from Mr. Neely's erratic behavior, then this should simply be a tragic accident and a tragic interaction but it might not rise to the level of criminality, right? Because let me tell you something about Mr. Neely. Mr. Neely was not a non-violent person. Mr. Neely was somebody who had done real harm to random people on the subway train many times before. Mr. Neely has 42 prior arrests, 42. This is somebody who's only 30 years old. Jordan Neely was only 30 years old, and he already had 42 prior arrests. 42. How many times have you been arrested, listeners? How many times have you been arrested? He's been arrested 42 times. At the time of his death, from my understanding, he had an open warrant because he hadn't showed up for court. On at least two prior occasions, and with at least two of these 42 arrests, Mr. Neely had been arrested and charged for something violent. In 2021, Jordan Neely punched Ann Mitcheltree 
who was a 65-year-old woman. He punched her on 2nd Avenue in the East Village subway. And he punched her completely randomly. And Miss Mitchell Tree was 67 years old, so this wasn't somebody who was a formidable opponent or a grown man or somebody Mr. Neely's age and fitness and size. This was an older woman who was 60, oh sorry, she was 65 years old. 65 year old woman. He punched in Second Avenue in the East Village and he punched her in the face randomly and he punched her in the face so hard that she broke her nose and she broke her orbital bone, the orbital bone around your eye. She broke both of those in one punch. This was a severe assault. She didn't have any permanent damage, but she broke. Imagine breaking your face. Imagine being punched just walking home from work or walking around. You're just punched in the face so hard that you break your orbital bone and you break your nose. That's just one of the 42 arrests Mr. Neely had. It was a violent assault on an older woman who was a completely innocent victim. Mr. Neely was also arrested. Also arrested in 2019 for attacking, attacking Philemon Baltazar, who was 68, another older person. This was a man. He was arrested in 2019 for attacking Mr. Baltazar, who's 68, on West 4th Street, on the West 4th Street platform in Greenwich Village, and physically assaulting him. I don't know the injuries. But within a two-year period, that's already two people that Mr. Jordan Neely had indiscriminately violently attacked in or around subway stations. He had violently attacked at least two people within a two-year period in and around subway stations. That was only two of the 42 prior arrests. I wonder what the other 42, 40 prior arrests were. I'm sure not all of them were violent, but I would not be surprised if more of them were violent. So this is an individual who's mentally ill and homeless, but not only is he mentally ill and homeless, but he has a violent history of assaulting unsuspecting victims in and around the subway. In fact, the reason he had a warrant issued for his arrest this past February was that rather than serving jail time for the most recent assault, rather than serving jail time, he was on a diversionary program that required his appearance in court, but he never showed up for court. He skipped out on the diversionary program. Therefore, he had a warrant issued for his arrest. He is now on a subway train being restrained by three people and he unfortunately dies, right? Does context matter? When you mention that he has 42 prior arrests and that two of these arrests stem from incidents where Mr. Neely violently attacked random passengers on a subway, and you mention that within the context and discussion of Mr. Neely being restrained on a subway, by law-abiding people, why does it not matter that he has prior violent offenses on and around the subway in New York? Of course it matters. Context matters here. Facts matter here. You must use context and context clues. Did we not learn this in grammar school? Context clues to inform our positions and opinions on certain 
occurrences and incidents that happen, right? So if we are looking at this Marine who's 24 and these other two people who are holding Mr. Neely down and where they're holding him down and why they say they're holding him down and then Mr. Neely's history of acting violent on subways, it doesn't mean that's definitive. It doesn't mean that's the be-all, end-all. It doesn't mean we just don't have an investigation. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that before you jump up, grab your signs, and start blocking the Q train, that maybe you should think about the context and think about truth and think about whether there's a chance that these individuals restraining Mr. Neely had a reason to restrain him and that maybe this wasn't a murder because they didn't like him and he was inconvenient, as I keep hearing on the news. But maybe he was acting violently or threatening once again because he has a history of doing that once again on the subway. And therefore, unfortunately, he found himself in a situation that somebody who acts violently towards strangers on the subway may find themselves in, which is getting into an altercation on the subway with strangers. And maybe, unfortunately, he passed away as the result of that altercation. And maybe there is no villain to be prosecuted. Maybe Mr. Neely is a victim of the society that refuses to hold people accountable for violent actions and also refuses to treat its mentally ill population and instead releases them out into the streets, out into the subways so that things like this can take place. People can get hurt, break their orbital bones, or these mentally ill people can die in these altercations. Perhaps it's a societal problem for which we all must atone because we are all responsible for the lack of care and the lack of oversight of our homeless and mentally ill population. Perhaps scapegoating the one young man who put him in the chokehold to try to restrain him and protect other people, perhaps scapegoating him for your own bloodlust is not the answer, is not true atonement for the fact that we all bear responsibility for not properly advocating or taking care of our mental, mentally ill population and for all of us not voting or putting the right people in positions to do that job and do that duty. But yet you have people who, without being cautionary and weighing what happened, without investigating the facts, you have people taking up this holier-than-thou attitude, being part-time activists with their selective outrage, and going out and blocking the, the train. And what ferments this unrest? What ferments these people who engage in these protests without having all the facts, without being rational? It's the news, right? The news. Every time I look up anything re regarding Jordan Neely or any time I see anything pop up on my social media feed or on television or on the radio regarding Neely, all I see is pictures of him impersonating Michael Jackson, people calling him a victim, people calling the individual who put him in the chokehold a murderer, people quoting his family that, you know, he was so innocent and, and there better be justice done and all this and you hear this racial angle that he was a black man killed by a white man and the news ferments this and the news perpetuates this and the way that they say it to you and the way that they put it into the narrative verbally invokes a connotation in your mind that this was some kind of injustice that needs to be rectified and that encourages people to get up and to block the Q train and to protest and to all of a sudden be up in arms and they are content to destroy the lives of three people who may well be innocent 
Three people who had no choice but to try to restrain a violent, mentally ill, homeless man on a subway. They are content to destroy their lives simply to make themselves feel better and make themselves feel like activists who did something right for the cause. And the news, rather than being honest, rather than being objective, rather than reporting just the facts, rather than giving everybody a fair shake, has a concerted, purposeful agenda. And it's very, very disturbing. It's very disturbing. But these activists who are holding up the Q train, who are protesting the death of Jordan Neely, who are disregarding his history and disregarding the context of the situation, I didn't see them protesting or up in arms or calling for more better mental health treatment in January 2022 when a homeless man on the R line killed, killed Michelle Go. Michelle Goh was a 40-year-old Asian-American woman minding her own business, minding her own business on the R-line like any other day. Maybe she was going to work. Maybe she was coming home. Maybe she was taking a trip to see a friend. She was a normal 40-year-old woman minding her own business, paying for the subway to ride it, and a homeless man, a homeless man pushed her into the way of a train onto the tracks and she was killed by an oncoming train i didn't see the vehement coverage in the news i didn't see people protesting i didn't see anybody up in arms about what are we doing about the homeless population in the subways in fact i saw many of the same people who are protesting now objecting to police presence on the subways as if it was unnecessary and oppressive rather than taking up the cause when an innocent woman minding her own business, Asian American Michelle Goh was killed by a homeless man. I didn't see anybody really talking about it. It was a blurb on the nightly news. It was not a national story. It was not on headlines with CNN and on New York City Public Radio. When a homeless man threatened in 2023 February another commuter saying I'm going to kill you to an everyday man again going to work minding his own business when a homeless man came up to him and said flat out I'm going to kill you and threw him onto the tracks luckily he survived but the homeless man in that case was charged I didn't hear anybody advocating for mental health help protesting, saying there's an issue with mentally ill people or homeless people on the subways when that innocent man was pushed in front of a train but got out and the homeless man said, I'm going to kill you. In the Bronx, not long ago, again a year ago, several teens in the subway uh, system in the Bronx threatened a 38-year-old man who was minding his own business, threatened him with a knife, tried to rob him. They threw him onto their tracks. A train was oncoming. A 38-year-old, or the 38-year-old man was threatened, I'm sorry. A 36-year-old man, a 36-year-old man, Roland Houston. Roland Houston, a black man, tried to save the individual who had been pushed onto the tracks by these criminals. And when he tried to save this man, unfortunately, 
Mr. Houston died. He died. He was 36 years old, a productive member of society, an African-American man. He died in the subway because a criminal pushed somebody else onto the subway, tried to rob him, and Mr. Houston tried to save him. He died. I didn't hear anybody talking about the problems on the subway. I didn't see anybody protesting the problems on the subway. In 2020, at Newark Penn Station, when a homeless man stabbed somebody outside of Newark Penn Station and took their life, murdered them, that individual has since been prosecuted and sentenced. I never heard anybody raising alarm about the homeless population in and around Newark Penn Station or their propensity for violence. But yet here we are today pretending that we don't have a problem with mentally ill people, some of whom are homeless and being violent to random strangers, that there is no danger at all amongst the homeless population in our cities that poses a risk to the general public. We have advocates on TV throwing out stats, throwing out things, throwing out nonsense as if homeless people, even with a violent history like Jordan Neely, are just minding their own business and do no harm, and the only perpetrators here are the working people, the working Janes and Joes going to work every day, black, white, Asian, whatever, they are the problem because they are not doing enough for homeless people, and when one of them unfortunately dies in a fight, it's their fault. We don't have any honest conversation about the fact that amongst this homeless population, there are several of them who are mentally ill, and of that mentally ill population, there are some that are volatile and violent. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that homeless people are terrible or that we need to get rid of homeless people or that, you know, it's okay to kill homeless people. That's definitely not what I'm saying. That's a straw man argument to counter my actual dialogue on context and facts that matter. And that's a cop out because they don't want to have a real conversation. They just want to paint anybody who brings these things up as a bad person or an immoral person or not compassionate enough so that they can continue on their self-righteous, hypocritical agenda. But I won't allow it on Logic and Larry. I won't allow it. Not here. Not in our arena. Not where we keep it real. Not here. Again, a full investigation should take place regarding Jordan Neely, and if there was any criminal wrongdoing, that person should be charged. But there shouldn't be a stretch to charge somebody just to appease a mob of people who refuses to actually pay attention to context and fact. Truth is justice. Justice is truth. False narratives are falsehoods, and falsehoods are injustice. Period. Period. Let's keep it 100% real. Let's keep it 100% real. Let's not satisfy some primal bloodlust that negates and goes against factual context. Let's not do that. Not on this show. So I do find it appalling that people want to take to the streets and call for the head of a young man who served his country, a young man who with two other people believe they were trying to do what the city and our government and our officials and our system and our society as a whole refuses to do, which is shield passengers on our subway systems from violent and erratic people. And unfortunately, he died. That's unfortunate. No one is happy he died. No one is saying that people should have license to harm or kill people who they deem a nuisance. No one is saying that. 
But our society and those who are selectively outraged and those who pretend to be activists when it's convenient for them are part of the problem and they need to be called out for simply parroting. And, and you know who else needs to be called out? I call them out all the time. The media, the mainstream media. And I can't believe I'm saying this because it sounds like something a Trumpy would say. And I am, you all know, not a Trumpy, but the mainstream media. This is what I always tell you, right? When the mainstream media is doing this and purposely, purposely disorienting everybody and purposely manipulating the facts and purposely churning out a narrative and purposely hiding the truth, they are contributing to the problem. And not only are they contributing to the problem, but they are giving fodder to the far right. They are giving fodder to the Trumpy contingent of the Republican Party. They are giving fodder to people who want to roll with Trump in those things because people who look to them for honesty see nothing but false narratives and lies. It gives them fuel to say, I don't trust the mainstream media. They're always lying. Why are you giving them fodder? Why are you doing it? I will call out every journalist in every newsroom across the country who refuses to be objective. You are in dereliction of your duty. In dereliction of your duty. Why are they not being called out more often? So let's face it. We have a problem with mental health in this country. Some of the time, those mental health issues manifest in homelessness, vagrancy, and other problems. Some of the time, those mental health issues result in violent behavior. And it's not just homeless people randomly punching people and getting into altercations on trains. It goes far beyond that. In Oklahoma, in Oklahoma, recently, this week, a homeless man named Carlton Guilford, who happens to be African-American, decided to walk into some place and shoot indiscriminately two white strangers who both died. And the current thing being reported only by a few outlets is that he killed them on the basis of race because they were white and he was black. He killed them on the basis of race. Now, do I believe that this this person, Carlton Guilford, do I believe that he actually sat there and intelligently and knowingly came up with some racist manifesto that directed him to kill white people? Hell no, I don't. I think, like I say about everybody, he was a misguided, marginalized, mentally unstable man who picked up the first ideology or the first excuse or the first platform that interested him. And this time it just so happened to be anti-white sentiment. Just like when people target other groups, and I normally say, unless it is legitimately a racist or white supremacist manifesto, it just happens to be whatever ideology comes along. Islamic terrorists are usually not in their right head when they pick up a gun and shoot somebody and they claim Islamic fundamentalism. Nor are Christian fundamentalists or anti-gay shooters or anything else. Usually it's just whatever crazy, bizarre, extreme ideology attracted them most because they're already mentally unstable. They already have a death wish and they already have a propensity to hurt people. So I don't think that anti-white racism is the reason for Carlton Guilford killing two white people. But I have a problem with the fact that another homeless person is violent and did kill two people who happen to be the opposite race. And the national media is only picking up the story of Jordan Neely when the race dynamic is reversed. And when it was an accident, by all accounts right now, maybe that changes with the investigation. I just think it's indicative of our problem with the media. 
And I also think it's more indicative, and that's what this show is more about, of our widespread mental health issues. In Oklahoma, think about that. The gun laws are so lax in Oklahoma, or there are so many guns floating around our streets in this country, legally or illegally, that Carlton Guilford, a homeless man who's mentally unstable, was able to have a gun in his possession, was able to have a loaded gun in his possession, and was able to use it against two innocent people taking their lives. That's how ridiculous. So let's talk about the levels of mental health issues in this country, right? Can we at least tackle mentally ill people having access to guns? If we're not going to tackle mentally ill people getting housing or mentally ill people being coerced into the proper treatment or actually keeping track of mentally ill people or actually doing anything for them, can we at least shore up our gun laws so that they stop getting guns and killing people indiscriminately in our streets every day? Can we maybe just kind of check on that or are we going to pass the buck on that one too? What are the people in charge of this country doing on a day-to-day basis if they're not handling this. What are they doing? It's absurd. It's inexcusable and it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. The world we are currently living in, the way we discuss these things, the way people react to these things is a friggin' disgrace. And if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. In Texas, the Allen Mall in Texas, eight people are dead, including children. When an individual proclaiming to be a white supremacist opened fire with an AR-15 style weapons, as far as what I read, it was an AR-15 style rifle. He opened fire on people at a outlet mall, killing children, a 20 year old man, and other people, eight people who just got up on a Saturday or a Friday and went into a local outlet store to shop for gifts for their loved ones or just stroll around or do whatever their right is to do on their time off, wind up dead because some mentally unstable, suicidal person with a death wish and extremist views because he's mentally unstable and spends too much time on the internet had access to an AR-15 style rifle and decided that that day he was just gonna take innocent lives. Also in Texas, in Brownsville, Texas, somebody decided to drive a truck into a crowd of people, killing also eight people. So 16 people in Texas are dead this week because of mentally struggling people with a death wish. And let me tell you something. The one in Brownsville, where the guy ran the truck into people, had a long rap sheet and another criminal history, and yet he was out too. Yet we have this vehement movement in this country that's all about opening prisons and letting more and more people out and being more and more lenient on sentences. Does it make sense to you? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Now, when you're talking about drug activity, nonviolent offenders, that's one thing. But that still needs to be consequence for that behavior, too. Because when you let criminality fester and you let criminality perpetuate, you're asking You're asking for a problem. You're asking for crimes to get worse and worse. You're asking for lawlessness to perpetuate and to fester. And that creates societal problems on a deep level. So I don't think the direction we're going is the right one in a lot of ways. Of course there are tweaks that need to be made to the criminal justice system. Of course less people need to be incarcerated for non-violent crimes and, and for drug crimes. But that doesn't mean that we need to just be so soft on crime that an individual with a huge rap sheet is running people over 
in Texas and killing innocent people, or where Jordan Neely, with 42 prior arrests and two recent arrests for violent assaults, gets killed by getting into an altercation with passengers on a subway train. It's unacceptable. And the way we react to these things is unacceptable. It's unacceptable that people are protesting the Q train because of this, and it's also unacceptable that no one's paying attention to the mass shooting in Texas because of it, or the homeless shooting in Oklahoma because of it. The way our news covers things is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. Now, the individual who shot people at the Allen Mall had been discharged from the military for mental health issues. So he was in the military, but he was discharged for mental health issues and he had expressed before several white supremacist ideas. So why in God's name was he able to get a hold of an AR-15 style weapon? Why was he able to get a hold of an AR-15 style weapon if he had mental health issues documented by the military and was posting white supremacist sentiments on the internet? Why was he able to get an AR-15 style weapon? Why are little children dead in the streets in front of their mothers covered in blood when the guy had a history? Why? Why? How? Unacceptable. But here we live, here we live in this country that is devolved into a third world of mudslinging, lack of truth, lack of context, no responsibility from our news providers, no responsibility for the mental health, especially those who are volatile and violent. But we'll call for the head of somebody who gets in the way. We'll make ourselves feel better at night pontificating about it but we won't actually go and do something about it. We won't hold our elected officials accountable. We won't hold our courts accountable. We won't hold anybody accountable, but we'll make ourselves feel better by finding a scapegoat and attacking that person and talking about it, maybe marching about it on the weekend and then going home and forgetting it ever happened. And then we've got people who want to go shoot paper targets on the weekend and need a gun collection because it's a fun hobby telling us that we can't restrict access to guns because they like to shoot paper targets and some mumbo jumbo jargon about a tyrannical government as if those people are the ones who are going to somehow save us if the government has any overreach or does anything improper cut me a break half the people advocating for that position are also advocates of the same people who stormed the capitol who didn't really do anything but also were storming the capitol in the name of tyranny not against tyranny so make it make sense to a logical mind. Make it make sense to an intellectual person. Make it make sense in rational terms. Because you can't, it's impossible. And I sit up here and I, I listen to my Lonnie Liston Smith to try to calm my nerves. And I speak to you because you're the only small group of people that seem to take note of these things and also participate in these dialogue with me on this show yet I know sadly I know that nothing's going to happen the people protesting Jordan Neely they're never going to get the full facts they're never going to open their mind to the full context the people who refuse 
to budge on gun access laws who refuse to try to stop these mass shootings who could save lives simply by getting together in a room with all the power they have as elected officials in this country, state level or nationally. With all the, and, and nationally is what you really need to target because states that have strict gun laws, the guns where it's easy to obtain them just flow into the cities from outside the state. It needs to be federal. These people with this immense power, with the, the actual power to save human lives, to help cure us from what plagues us, who took oaths to do the same thing, they refuse to act. People's cognitive dissonance is fueled and fed happily by biased news organizations on either side of the spectrum that purposefully do not give them the unbiased truth, do not provide them with the context necessary to assess a situation because it lines their pockets. And so this country has devolved into this terrible bastion of violence and chaos. And I mean chaos literally and intellectually and politically. And we are left to pick up the pieces and watch and look outside as the world burns with little recourse or little avenue to effect change. We are relegated to the sidelines because this system in and of itself is failing us in every way. And we as a society, we all take stock in this. We as a society are failing each other when we don't look at context, when we don't get on the same page, when we fail to acknowledge reality, when gun owners fail to acknowledge that perhaps we need stricter access rules. When people protesting with the Jordan Neely case refuse to acknowledge the other problems that he and other homeless mentally ill people have had and pretend that it doesn't exist and make a scapegoat out of somebody stepping in and are content to destroy his life. Destroy his life because they don't have the integrity or the internal honesty or the ability to self-reflect enough to understand that perhaps this was an unfortunate incident and not the fault of some evil man or some evil force when they refuse to take responsibility for their role in it, which is walking past those same people every day or not paying attention when somebody gets killed by them. You know it's gonna boil. You know people are gonna die. But it only matters when the narrative fits enough for the news to get on it and for you to feel righteous enough about yourself. Rather than keeping it real and fighting the good fight every day and then giving everybody a fair shake when a situation arises because justice is truth, truth is justice, and false narratives and falsehoods are the epitome of injustice. But you don't hear me though. Or maybe you listeners to the Logic and Larry podcast do hear me. But many, many others do not. And that's where we find ourselves. And what are we to do with it? To that question, I don't have the answer. I wish I did. To that question, I don't have the solution nor the strategic outline that'll get us to where we need to go all i'm left with is these are these pieces to pick up 
this unfortunate world that we currently find ourselves in, and who am I but the unpopular messenger of the truth? It's easy to carve out some quote from this podcast or to take my position and call me insensitive, unempathetic, or somehow an advocate of what is wrong, but the truth is that if you're doing that, you're simply trying to scapegoat me for your own shortcomings because you refuse to look inside and admit that perhaps many of the things that I'm saying are true and you would rather vilify me and vilify others than accept that perhaps you've been led astray. You can redeem yourself. You don't have to vilify me or vilify what I'm saying because I didn't create what I'm saying. I'm simply relaying the truth to you because truth is justice and I want to see justice done. You can look inside yourself. You have that ability to say, you know what? Maybe the ideology I've been operating with, maybe the cultural proclivities that I have that force me to have cognitive dissonance, maybe those things are not necessary. Maybe I can be part of the solution. And the first step to solving any of these problems with mass shootings, gun violence, homeless people with mental problems being killed in altercations, innocent people on their way to work or home being killed by homeless people with mental issues. Maybe those things can be solved. And the way they can be solved, the first step in solving them, even if we never really get there, the first step in solving them is us laying down our preconceived notions, our cognitive dissonance, and our favorite news program that just feeds us what we want to hear. Shedding our preconceived, emotionally driven ideas and beliefs and propensities and sitting down at the table with each other and having an honest, truthful, factually objective conversation, including things that are relevant contextually. That's the first step. So I invite all of you listeners to do that yourself. I invite you to share this cast with others. I invite you, even if you don't share this cast, I invite you to go have these conversations and relay these facts and have these honest and open discussions with others, even though they're uncomfortable, even though you may not be the most popular in the room after you have that discussion. You should still have that discussion. It's the only way we can crawl out of this mess and this nightmare that we currently are, have been subjected to living in. Do you want your children? Do you want our children, the young people? Do you want them to live in this world that we've created? Do you want to spend the rest of your life living in this world, looking over your shoulder, whether you're on the subway or at the mall or at school? Because somebody who's unhinged with violent propensities is A, not getting the care they deserve, but B, has access to guns or is violent and no one's checking them or monitoring them or holding them accountable in any way or getting them treatment in any way? Because you're comfortable in your belief that guns should be proliferated or you're comfortable in your belief that homeless people who are mentally unstable pose no threat or that productive people should just absorb the risk because we're just trying to be touchy-feely and lovey-dovey all the time? I mean, what are we doing? Put that petty nonsense aside and let's get real. So anyway, as spring renews and the sun's out, I do encourage you, it might sound hard to believe right now, but I do encourage you to hug a loved one, to enjoy your time on this earth, to pause and just enjoy life and unplug for a while. 
But then I encourage you in this time of rebirth, in this time of vibrance and blooming flowers, to form some blooming ideas and plant some blooming seeds in your social circles and start the small task forward, which is just being unbiased, keeping it real with yourself first and then with others, calling people out for the nonsense, the hypocritical propensities, the cognitive dissonance, the self-righteous selective outrage, calling them out, calling them to the table and keeping everybody honest and real because honesty is justice. Justice is honesty. And after that, I will leave you with a little Lonnie Liston Smith. I hope you experience tons of sunshine. And Larry will see you for episode 71, not far off. Good night.